All right, for those of you that weren't in here earlier, I want to say good morning and welcome to Carolina Family Church. Uh, yeah, thank you. Good morning. I'm John, and uh, <laughs> glad that you're here with us today. Uh, we are finishing up a series today, but it's okay. It was a short one, so if you need to catch up, it's no big deal. It was only three weeks, all right? So easy to go listen to those online or watch it on YouTube if you want. But we are talking about the Spirit, and the Spirit is one of the persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he is with us every single day. We've been talking about um, what his role is in our life, what's he, what he wants to do and how he wants to lead us. We talked about how he is the, the, the mark of God, that he is evidence, he's proof that we are God's children, that we are saved. And last week, we talked about him being God's voice and how to listen to him, how to hear from him, because it's a tricky thing we have to learn how to do, because we have to learn how to hear with spiritual ears and not just physical ears. And so we talked about that all last week. I got a lot of comments from people last week that that was, it was helpful for them, and so that's good. Today, we're going to talk about how he empowers us, his gift how he gives us power and why he gives us power, what it's to be used for, what it looks like. We're going to talk about all that today. Jesus promised this to his followers. He promised it to them. All right, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he'd been talking about the Spirit throughout the last part of his ministry, but they didn't really understand it. Um, They didn't understand what was going to happen. They didn't understand that Jesus was going to die, that he was going to rise again. They missed all of that until afterwards when they were able to put the pieces together. And after Jesus dies on the cross for their sins, for yours and for mine, and he rises again, he spends some time with them before he returns to heaven. And in that time, he says this, among other things. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, says, But you shall receive power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And they did. (laughs) They did. They were gathered together. Jesus returned to heaven. They were gathered together in a room, and God sent the Holy Spirit to him, something to them, something that that people hadn't experienced before. To To have the power of God residing within you, to have the Spirit of God residing within you was something that was foreign to all of the Old Testament and to most of the Gospels. They got to see it in Jesus who was a perfectly, he was perfectly indwelt with the Holy Spirit, perfectly in tune with the Spirit, listened to him, followed him, had access to his, to, the, to his power. And all of a sudden, they received the Spirit, and they had power in a way that they had never experienced before. They'd never seen before. And he gave them the ability to do incredible things. Like, like right out of the gate, there were uh, uh, all kinds of people that were gathered in Jerusalem, and they received the Spirit. And then all of a sudden, they started speaking just spontaneously in other languages, proclaiming the gospel in other languages. And there were people in Jerusalem from all different places that were like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. How does this guy know? How does, how does James know my language? And yet he's preaching Jesus to him. And it's, it was an incredibly powerful moment. The, the apostles were walking around. They had, the apostles had the ability to, to heal people. People would be healed in their presence. It was unbelievable. And they had no idea what to do with this kind of power, <laughs> as you can imagine. It's, it's, like, um, it's like every superhero movie you ever saw, right? When the person gets their powers, <laughs> and all of a sudden, they have all of this power, they have this ability, but they have absolutely no idea how to use it, right? All of a sudden, these people had this Almost superpower, if you want to think of it that way, better than a, than a superpower like you would see in a movie or show. 
But it got me thinking. I was just, I couldn't help but think. Um, I'm, we are watching through the Marvel movies with, with the boys. I'm watching through, I say we, Jess is not watching them. No, no, no. Um, I am watching through the Mar- all the Marvel movies with the boys, and, and they love them. And uh, thinking about those superpowers, and I was thinking, if I had a superpower, if I could pick, what would it be? You ever thought about that? If you, let, me, let me just ask you first. If you had a superpower, what would, you, what would it be? Fly? Oh, man, that would be cool. That would be so cool. Fly, what else? Oh, reads. I don't know. Yeah. I, <laughs> maybe if you could turn it on and turn it off. Yeah. Like, I don't want to read your mind all the time. I'll tell you that much. What, <laughs> what else? Huh? Speed? Super, oh, like the flash. Yeah, super speed. All right. Anything else? What? Strength, super strength, yeah, yeah, that would be that would be fantastic. I'd probably get more like to do lists, though. Honestly, you just be like the to do list would get longer. You have to carry all the groceries in, you know, <laughs> instead of getting help. Uh, yeah. Anything else? What else? Invisible teleportation. Invisible. Oh man, that would be so cool. I was thinking about like if I could have any any superpower, it might be um, like I would be know what to wear, man. You know what I mean? Like, I can't tell you how many hours I have stood in my closet and just stared at hangers of clothes and piles of T-shirts and been like, I don't know, man. I just, <laughs> or, and I end up picking the wrong thing. That's why I just, everything's gray for me. I want, I want colorful with blue today. But, you know, that's, I, I like, or, or when we go to an event, you know, we get invited to a dinner or something. I'm like, I have no idea what to wear. We, got, we were going to like a nice restaurant not too long ago. And I went to the website because I just wanted to see people in the restaurant to see what they were wearing, you know. But they didn't have, all it was just pictures of the food and the bar and stuff. I'm like, show me some people. I don't know. Like, anyway, that'd be pretty cool. Probably if I had to pick one, that wouldn't be it. But it'd be, it'd be an interesting one, right? But, you know, you watch these superhero movies and they get these powers, whatever it is, you know, Hulk or the you know, Spider-Man gets bit by the radioactive spider, Peter Parker gets bit by the spider or whatever else. And it takes time to figure out what this power is and how to use it and how to use it in the best way possible. So when you look in the New Testament, you see a lot of conversation about the power of the Spirit or gifts that the Spirit gifts gives. And there's a lot of difficulty surrounding how people are using them and what they're for and, and understanding how to use them in a group context or a personal context or whatever. So there's a lot of discussion about this idea in the scripture, often the term we use is spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, which I think is, unfortunately, we, we, we say that word and we often turn it into like a category and that can be very limiting. But really, it's any gift that the Spirit gives to you, any grace that the Spirit gives to you, any power or ability or direction, anything that the Spirit may give to you beyond your own natural ability and giftedness that God gives to all of us. It really is a supernatural power. It is a superpower in one way or another. But understanding what these things are and why God gives them to us are really important to us using them the way that they're supposed to be used. And Jesus, when he says to his followers, you, uh, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, the next thing he says is, and you shall be my witnesses in all in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is really the mission statement of the Spirit. 
Okay? The mission, the, the, the Spirit's job in your life, the Spirit's job in my life, is so that we can be witnesses of the glory of God. The Spirit's job is to magnify Jesus. That's his job. If, if you look at Jesus, talk about the Spirit, in particularly in the book of John, John chapter 12, he talks about it. John chapter 14, he talks about it. John chapter 16, he talks about it. Jesus tells his apostles that the Spirit is coming, the Helper is coming, and it's better for you that the Helper comes and he's in you than me walking next to you. It's better for you to have the power of God within you than even right next to you. And so, and he says consistently what the Spirit is going to do, the Spirit is going to glorify me, and the Spirit is going to teach you and instruct you in everything that I've told you. So the Spirit's job is to magnify Jesus. And the, but they're struggling, okay? The, 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 the people who are in the first churches, they receive the Spirit and they have this power, at, uh, have access to the, the, the power of the Spirit in their life. And they don't know how to use it. They don't understand that that's the goal. And so they're using these gifts in a way that is not consistent with the mission of the Spirit. They're using the, the gifts as a way to draw attention to themselves. They're comparing themselves with other people and being um, jealous of what other people are doing. They're, they're using them uh, selfishly. And so this all needs to be set right. And so um, Paul, particularly for the church in Corinth, spends a good bit of time talking about what these gifts are, what they're for, and how they're supposed to think about them and use them. And so we're going to be reading in 1 Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles today, you're going to look into 1 Corinthians with me. As you're getting there, he spends, you know what, we, we section all of this out into chapters and verses and everything. Um, he spends about three full chapters talking about spiritual gifts to them. And that church has a ton of issues, and this is just one of them. But um, he talks consistently from um, 12, 13, and 14 specifically. We're going to look closely at 12 and 13 today. Um, so while you're getting there, um, just know that they're having, they're having some issues. They're trying to figure this thing out. And even today, we have the Spirit. If we are, put our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, if we trusted him for salvation, his death on the cross, and his resurrection, and we are the children of God, and we've received the Spirit, and we've talked in this series about how we need to engage with him and let him lead and take over more and more of our life. And that means that his power is also within us. And he wants to give you gifts. All right, He wants you to have access to his power. He wants to gift you. But, but understanding why and what to do with them is very, very important. All right, So hopefully now you're, you're to 1 Corinthians. And uh, we're going to uh, chapter 12. We'll start at the beginning. We're going to go through the whole chapter. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles. You were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, and that's not dumb in the way we would normally say that. By the way, that would be not non-verbal, non-speaking, okay? These foolish idols, these lame idols, these empty idols, however you were led. Verse three, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. See, this is the purpose of the Spirit, to say in our life that Jesus is Lord. It's what he does. So the first thing, if you're, if you're taking notes, if you're a note-taking kind of person, maybe you want to write down, um, the Spirit gifts us to magnify Jesus. The Spirit gifts us to magnify Jesus. I like this word magnify. 
you might think of it in like a scientific context, like a magnifying glass or something like that. It's to take something and elevate it to blow it up, to make it bigger, to make it more obvious, to see more of the detail, right, to elevate. So that's the Spirit's job is to magnify Jesus through our life, is to use us, to work through us, to make Jesus, not to make him bigger, but to show him bigger to the world, okay, to magnify, to elevate, to honor him. Now, I hope this goes without saying, we've already mentioned it, but the Spirit does not want to give us gifts so that we can magnify ourselves. That is not the point. But there are plenty of people who use gifts from the Spirit to magnify themselves, all right? And that's a shame every single time that it happens, and we need to pray for discernment to see that when it's happening. But ultimately, the Spirit gifts us so we can magnify Jesus. And he gives us exactly what we need. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. A couple things that are important to notice here. First of all, there are diversities of gifts. There are lots of them. There are so many gifts that you couldn't possibly count them and you couldn't possibly make a list of them, which we need to be careful about doing because in in Scripture, there are a few places where spiritual gifts are talked about and there are lists. So there's two of them in 1 Corinthians 12. There's another list in Romans chapter 12. Both of those are written by Paul. And then there's one, arguably a list in Ephesians chapter 4, also written by Paul. But those could be considered offices, not gifts, yada, yada, yada. All right, the point is, They're lists, but they're not all the same, okay? Each list is different, and they're all written by the same person. So they are not by any means supposed to be understood as exhaustive lists. Here are the gifts, and that's all that there is. They're examples of gifts, some of the most profitable gifts, some of the most obvious gifts, but they're, they're not limiting in what God can do through you and for you. There are diversities of gifts. It's anything that the Spirit gives you to do. Anything he empowers you to do, which could be so many different things, very specific to you and your personality and your situation and your natural gifts and all of that that he wants to use. And so we are all very different. It's not an exhaustive list. It's just they're starters. They're starter lists. So we can see what he does and and know know it when we see it. All right. They're They're not everything that the Spirit wants to do. That would be a little bit like this toolbox, okay? Because that's what the gifts are, really. They're tools, okay? It's power that, that is given to us. And it may be something that's given to us our entire life. It's just something that we have on tap the rest of our life. We always have access to, to that thing. And I can think of some of my friends and people that I love and think about, yeah, that's one of them for them. They've always got that at their disposal. And it might be something that God gives you for one moment, one time, and that is all. And that is ever. Because in that moment, it's what you need. But there are diversities of these things. There are lots of different things. So I hope that today, even as we're talking about them, your wheels start turning. Just let your wheels start turning, looking at your life, if you've never done this before, and saying, what do I see the Spirit empowering me to do? And that'll help you give direction on where he wants you to go. But it's like this toolbox, and I got some tools in here, all right? That's a hammer. Some, you know, yeah, okay. So there you go. No. <laughs> So we got a hammer in here, we got a tape measure, we got 
side cutters. Some, yeah, <laughs> may not be a term you're familiar with. All right, uh, I didn't know they were called side cutters, by the way. I, I always thought that these were just called like wire cutters or snips or something um, until I started working for ESI a couple days a week. And then I realized when I had to go buy them that I didn't know what they were called because I was searching for them to buy them and I couldn't find them. And finally, I realized they're called side cutters. All right, so you got that. You got a utility knife. All right, very sharp. Be careful. Um, level, handy for those of us that are detail-oriented. If you're not... You know, who cares about that? All right. We got, <laughs> got needle-nose pliers. All right. Needle-nose pliers. Wait, a little story about the level. Sorry, I got those. <laughs> Jess is telling me no. This is not a bad one. Um, but uh, working for ESI, we have to hang devices on the wall all the time, like at banks and stuff. We'll be hanging like a fire, you know, uh, uh, one of those horn strobes on the wall that flashy and make noise and stuff. And, and they always say, uh, Jeff and AJ, always put a level on it. Put a level on it. Make sure it's level. And I always make sure it's level. But the problem is most buildings are not level. And so <laughs> you put a level on it, and you're like, it's perfect. And you stand back, and you're like, but it doesn't look perfect. <laughs> You know, anyway, those can come in handy. And then um, we've got a crescent wrench in here, not too many more. Uh, and then we've got a Phillips head screwdriver, all right? So these are all, ba- by the way, if you're putting together like a basic toolkit, you just need some tools at your house, this is a good place to start, all right? This will do pretty much everything you need. But imagine if I loaded all this stuff into a toolbox. I am doing that as loud as I can. And I said, here you go. Build me a house. Maybe you could, but I wouldn't recommend it. It's not going to be, maybe you would have a hard time doing plumbing with a toolkit like this. You're going to need specialized tools. You're going to need larger tools or pneumatic tools or other things in order to do something the scale of a house. And so, uh, I think of these lists of spiritual gifts that are given in Scripture a little bit like this toolbox. Like, here's a starter. These will take you a long way. These are kind of the basic tools. But in your life, to do what God wants you to do, you're going to need specialized tools for the situations that you land in, which means we need to be able to not only see these lists that are given in Scripture and look for where our gifts may lie there, but go beyond that and say, where does he want to specifically equip and lead me for the mission that he has in my life? There are diversities of gifts, but it is all the same spirit. And if you're willing and you're open, then he will empower you in the spirit to do everything that he wants you to do. But you and I have to be open to that. We need to be looking for it. And there are some things that he's going to empower us to do. And there are some things that he is not. Just because one person has a gift doesn't mean everybody has that gift. Right? And so we need to think through this even as we look at the list and what would apply to us or not apply to us. And don't limit him. Don't limit him. Not either by saying that he can't do something. Don't limit him by saying he can't do something or won't do something. And don't limit him by saying he has to do something because he doesn't. He will give you what you need. No more and no less. Exactly what you need. I think a really good example of this is probably the most hotly discussed or debated gift on those lists, and that's speaking in tongues. That gets brought up a lot, discussed a lot. And on one side, you have a group of people who say that that is no longer a gift, that that doesn't happen anymore. 
I would say, don't limit God. He can do whatever he wants. And I have friends who are faithful believers who don't do it for show, and I know that they speak in tongues privately as a way to connect with God, and I trust them, all right? God can do that. But there are also, on the other side, people who say that that is the sign of a believer, that the only evidence that you are, do have the Spirit is if you speak in tongues, and so anybody who doesn't speak in tongues doesn't have the Spirit. And to that, I say hogwash. <laughs> Somebody like emphasize that back there, all right, hogwash. (laughs) Uh, And I say that because I've been a believer since I was young, passionate believer. I know the Spirit walks with me. I I hear from him. He leads me. He guides me. I've seen him do incredible things through my life. And there have been multiple times in my life where I've asked him, sincerely, if this is a gift that you want me to have, give it to me right now. Give it to me. If this is what you want me to have, give it to me. And he never has, and I've never spoken in tongues. But that doesn't mean I'm not a believer doesn't mean I'm not saved. That's, that is something that he might give to someone if he wants them to have that so they can communicate with him and, and worship him in that way. But it is not something that he's given to me. There are diversities of gifts. We shouldn't limit him by saying that he can't do something, and we shouldn't limit him by saying that he has to do something. He will do what he wants to do so that you will do what he wants you to do. And that's it. And we can trust him in that. He can do whatever he wants. And then he says, he said in verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The purpose of the gifts is, is that our life might bring, magnify and bring honor and glory to Jesus. And the gifts are given for the benefit of the church, for each other's benefit, not for our benefit. I was thinking through the, the, super, uh, the superpowers we were talking about earlier. <laughs> We're talking about what our, our superpower would be. Most of us, if we identify a superpower, it's for our benefit, right? I want the ability to read minds so I know what somebody else is thinking, right? I want, the, I want super strength so that I can do something with it. I actually think that the, the idea, frankly, you watch all these superhero movies, and somehow the superheroes have all these powers, and they all turn out good. And I'm like, I don't think the world actually works that way, <laughs> I think that, that, that because of people's nature, if someone discovers they have superpowers, their natural inclination is to use that for their own benefit, and that if we had superheroes like that in the world, that they would be corrupt far greater than they would be doers of good. So we need to be conscious and aware that the power that's given to us by the Spirit is for the magnification of Jesus, and it's for the edification of the church. It's to be used for the benefit of each other, you and me, the prophet of all. All right, the Spirit gifts us to edify the church, just like the Spirit gifts us to magnify Jesus. And actually, they're the same because he gives us gifts so that we can magnify Jesus, and then when we edify the church, we're encouraging them to magnify Jesus. So it's actually all the same thing at the same time. All right, and he says this. Let's keep reading, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go to verse 8. For, uh, you know, it's for the profit of all. For, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of gifts, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. 
So we're all doing different things and being empowered in different ways, and that is his call. It's his choice. He decides what gifts he gives you and what gifts he doesn't give you based on your specific position, opportunities, personality, abilities, experience, all that. So trust him for that. Trust him to do that in you and for you as he wills. When um, Peter is uh, encouraging uh, the church in 1 Peter, he says this. He says, above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. So this is using our gifts to edify the church, to build up and encourage the church. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Every gift is a grace. Every gift that God gives us is undeserved and unearned. He gives it to us as a grace, as a gift. And we are to be good stewards of it and use it for the benefit of others. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we are to look and understand what tools God is giving to us and how he wants us to use them. And understand that your toolbox, your, your set of tools is different than other people's. I was, uh, was working for ESI this week. On Tuesday, I was down in Spartanburg, South Carolina. We were doing a brand new Starbucks. And it was almost, almost finished up just before furniture went in. And we were doing, putting in cameras and um, the security system. And so I'm doing low-voltage low work, and I've got, my, I've got a rolly bag with all the tools in it that I need to do my job, and I take that around with me everywhere. And uh, so they're working, and the uh, electricians, high-voltage guys, were there, also working and finishing up some, some odds and ends on their end. And uh, so we're, I'm working, I'm back in the stock room, and the electrician is there at the electrical panel, and he looks over at me, and he says, hey, by any chance, do you have a spanner wrench? And I was like, no, I'm sorry, I don't. But what I was really thinking was, what's a spanner wrench? <laughs> I, said, I, said, I said, would a crescent wrench work? And he said, maybe, maybe it would. And I was like, oh, I don't have one of those anyway. So like, I don't know. I was, I was in my head. I was just trying to figure out what in the world a spanner wrench was. I know now because I immediately went and Googled it so I wouldn't look like a fool next time. Um, but the reality is, so I don't have a spanner wrench in my tool bag, because I never need a spanner wrench to do the job that I'm supposed to do, right? But he has a different job that he's doing, so he has a completely different set of tools or a a slightly different set of tools. That's the way it works with us. God will give you what you need to do your job. He He will give you what you need to do your job. So Part of our responsibility as a Christian as we walk through life and we listen to the Spirit and, and we are encouraged by Him is to understand and learn what are my gifts. And when you face a situation where you might be scared, you might be afraid to ask the Spirit to give you a gift in that moment. Help me know what to say right now because I don't know what to say. That would be a gift from the Spirit. Give me boldness right now because I'm scared. That would be a gift from the Spirit. 
Give me the ability to help in a particular way to accomplish a particular task because I want to see you receive honor and glory as a result of this. It's good to ask. It's okay to ask. And then whether or not he gives is up to him based on what he wants you to do. But we have to ask and we have to be open to it. He goes on, um, and he, he spends a whole bunch of time, Paul, um, in 1 Corinthians, spends a, a lot of time giving this analogy of a body, and we're not going to read through it for time's sake, but he gives the analogy of a body and how a body has different parts, and all the parts need to work, and they need each other. So the eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. If the eye didn't have the ear, how would you hear? You know, And the ear can't say to the eye, I don't need you, because how would you see? You need all of the parts of the body, and you need all the parts of the body working together. And then in verse 27... He says, now you are the body of Christ. He's talking to them as a group. You are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Obviously, the answer to those is no. And then he says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. So he's saying you all have a role to play. You all have a function. You all have gifts, and you need to use them so that the body functions the way it's supposed to function. But then he has this curious little statement on the end earnestly desire the best gifts or the greater gifts or the higher gifts. You're like, well, wait, I thought I wasn't supposed to compare my gifts to someone else. I thought I wasn't supposed to, I thought I was supposed to be happy with what I have. Yes, and he's saying it is a good heart set mindset. When he says best, what does he mean by best? What are better or best gifts? The answer is more effective gifts. More effective gifts. God, empower me to become more and more effective. Give me tools that I need to be more and more effective. In chapter 14, which we're not going to read, he gives the example of the difference between speaking in tongues and prophecy. And he says, so speaking in tongues is speaking in a foreign language or in a heavenly language or whatever. And then speaking prophecy is speaking in the native tongue the words of God to someone else. And he said, I would much rather prophesy than speak in tongues because prophecy is more effective. Because I can speak plainly and clearly to someone rather than having to explain it or interpret or whatever else. So there are gifts that are more effective, and it is a good thing for us to desire to be more and more effective at magnifying and glorifying Jesus. So the gifts are good, and we should be asking for more and more gifts from God and using the gifts that he gives. But then he says this right at the end of what we have is chapter 12. And yet, I show you a more excellent way. He's just been talking about all these gifts and how we're supposed to use them and how incredible they are. But now he's saying, let me show you something that's even better. Let me show you something that's even better than all those gifts. Because quite frankly, you look at this church and the way that they're using gifts, the spiritual gifts that they've been given, using them selfishly and all this, they were worshiping the gifts. They were worshiping the gifts and then they were using the gifts to worship themselves. Their focus was on those things. And he's saying there's something bigger here. There's something better here that you need to see in order to get this right. I'll show you a more excellent way. All right, 1 Corinthians, now into chapter 13. 
Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. See, by the way, this list, if I can pause for a minute here, we often read this, this definition of love. Weddings is like the classic place or, or in other places, and we talk about what love is, and that definition applies to love across the board. What Paul is dealing with here, though, is a church who is not loving in how they're using their gifts. And so the list and the things he's about to talk about, these are the things they're doing. And he says love doesn't do that. Love doesn't do that. All right? He said it suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This is not just a definition of love, by the way. He's telling them how they're supposed to use the gifts that that the Spirit is giving them. And they're doing the opposite. They're being impatient. They're being rude. They're being arrogant. They're being hateful. They're using their gifts to puff themselves up rather than magnifying Jesus like they're supposed to. Love never fails. Said, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. When's he talking about? He's talking about when Jesus returns and sets everything like it should be, when he resets, I like to think of it that way, when he resets everything, these things won't be necessary anymore because God will be in and through us and with us and um, everything will be restored. All of it, it will, Eventually, it will, it will fail, it will cease, it will vanish away. For Verse 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. He's saying all these gifts is just a taste of what's coming. It's a piece of what's coming. It's not what's coming. It's a piece of it, not the fullness. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. See, the gifts that you're being given are important and we need to use them and we need to value them. But the point of the gifts is love. The point of the gifts is love. And so if you're looking for power and leadership and all this from the Holy Spirit, but you're not loving, you're just doing what is temporary. The gifts are given to, 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 to strengthen us and lead us and show us in the meantime until Jesus returns, until we go to meet him, when the fullness will be given. And so we need to always remember that everything needs to come through and be empowered by love. Wrapped in love. 
And then Paul comes out of this idea, goes into 14, and he talks again about spiritual gifts. This is sandwiched between conversations about spiritual gifts. Love is the point. The gifts are not the point. Love is the point. The gifts are given so that we can magnify Jesus and so we can serve each other, and that's love. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. This is love. This is why the gifts are given, and all of us need to be committed to doing them, to looking for them, to recognizing them, and to walking in them, given by the Spirit. So this week I was, um, honestly, I was trying to figure out where to land with the message. (laughs) And uh, this is kind of a tough topic to do one week on because, I mean, whole books have been written about spiritual gifts. And we could spend weeks talking about it and talking about all the different avenues. And there's so many things. And I was, um, I'd gotten a bunch of things together. I was driving through downtown Salisbury and praying. And I asked God, Tell me what everyone needs to hear. What, what do I need to hear? What does everybody here need, need to hear? And um, I heard from him in the way we talked about last week, spiritual voice. And I know it was him because I wasn't, I didn't make any sense. He, what I heard was this. You don't have to be afraid of loving me. And uh, I was like, that, uh, that doesn't make any sense. You know? Like, I half the time, that's why I know. I've, at first, I was like, what did I have for lunch? Is it sushi? Is that a mistake? Like, I didn't know what it meant. And that's part of the reason that I know that it's him. It certainly wasn't my idea because it didn't even make any sense to me. You don't have to be afraid of loving me. And I was like, what does that have to do? <laughs> what does that have to do with spiritual gifts? And so I had to think about it. I had to chew on it for a while until finally I think I know what he means by that. You don't have to be afraid of loving me. The point of spiritual gifts are to empower us to love the way he wants us to love. To empower us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to empower us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so every time that I don't use a gift that he's given to me, any time I don't love the way that I'm supposed to love, it's because I'm afraid. It's because I don't trust him to do in me what he wants to do in me. It's because I'm trusting in my own strength or my own experience or my own ability, and I don't think that it's going to be enough. And maybe the same is true for you. Like we don't talk to our friends at school or coworkers about Jesus or about our faith because we're afraid that we're not going to know what to say or we're afraid that they're going to ask a question that we don't know the answer to. We don't commit ourselves to serving the way we're supposed to because we're afraid we're not going to have enough time. We have so many other commitments. We don't spend in time in prayer because we're afraid we're not going to hear anything from him. We don't join groups of other believers because we're afraid we're going to have to be honest or we're going to have to be vulnerable. We don't spend time reading Scripture because we're afraid that we're not going to understand it. 
We don't support ministry financially because we're afraid we're not going to have enough money. We don't try new things because we're afraid that we're going to fail. We don't adjust our careers or where we live because we're afraid of change. And all of those things happen because we don't trust the Spirit to do in us what we can't do ourselves. We don't really trust Him to empower us, and that's why we fail. So each of us right here, and by the way, those are all reasonable fears. If you're living a natural life, totally reasonable. But we're not living a natural life. And we're not doing this on our own. And all of those things, if we step in faith, the Spirit will empower us in them. You're afraid of talking to a friend at school. You're afraid of talking to someone at work or somebody in your family about your faith, and you're not sure what to say? Then don't worry about what to say. And trust Him with what to say. Stop, try, stop re- rehearsing the conversation before you get there. Practicing out what you're going to say. Just step into the moment, and right before you step into the moment, say, Spirit, speak through me. I, I, that has been one of the biggest revelations in my life because I'm such, for me, such a planner. I, 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 re- I rehearse conversations in the car. I practice them. They never go the way that I practice them. But I practice them, and I think that I've got it figured out. But to walk into a meeting where I don't know quite what to say and just say, Spirit, what, what you got? What do you want me to say? And then he does. Learning to trust him and walk in confidence and faith to step into everything he calls us to without any sort of fear. And it's because we trust in his power and the gifts that he gives us. You don't need to be afraid. God's purpose for your life will require more than your natural abilities. It will demand more than your learned skills. And it will take you beyond your previous experience. And good. And he will empower you and lead you if you let him. We need to trust the spirit to work through us so that we can do and be exactly what God calls us to do and be. And so I want to encourage you today to start thinking through those things. Look at your life and look at places where you've seen the spirit empower you and lead you. Maybe those are areas where he wants you to continue, gives you direction for the future. Maybe there's something that you look at in your life that you have been afraid to do, and it's because you were thinking about it and doing it in your own power and your own strength, and you know God wants you to do it, but you've been afraid to do it. Step into it and do it, but do it in the power of the Spirit, not in your own. So begin, look, look through your life. We are a body. We are a body who is gifted together to magnify Jesus and to edify each other. And you're a part of the body. So each of us individually needs to look at this and be honest and step in strength and power that he's given to us to do the thing he wants us to do. All right, so let's take a moment. Let's pray. And in this, as we're praying, I want to encourage you to listen. All right, to, pr- to pray with me, but also listen to the Spirit and see if there's something that he is leading you to, something he wants you to do, something that he wants to give you. All right, let's just take a moment to, to listen and pray and speak. All right, let's go to him right now. Father, God, we thank you so much for your love. 
not only that you would call us your children, you would forgive us, call us your children, which someone may be accepting for the first time today, and that's amazing, putting their faith in you for salvation today, your death and resurrection. And when we respond to that, accept salvation, we, we are your children. And not only that, but you have given us your spirit. He lives with us, walks with us, guides us, strengthens us. And so, God, I just, I want to ask for, for me and for everyone here that you would make him more evident in this moment to, right here than he has ever been in our life. More real and more tangible, that you would, that you would give us eyes to, to look back in the past and see right now where he's worked in us, where it's been him and not us. where he's given us the, the, the words to say, the strength to continue. And that as we, we look back for those that have, have been Christians for some time that have history, that as we look back, you would use those things, solidify those things, and show us whether that's something you want to continue doing through us. And then, God, as we look forward and think about what you want to do. Here's all we can, we can promise and commit for right now. Is that we want the gifts that you have for us. We want the gifts that you have for us. Because we want to do all that you want us to do. We want to magnify Jesus put him on display through our life we want to encourage and serve and edify the people around us in our family in our spiritual family and so whatever you need us to do beyond our own ability and skill beyond our own experience and our own personality anything that you want us to do beyond that we ask that you give us what we need and that when you give it to us, we see it. And in this moment, we commit to you that when we see it and when we're in that moment, we will use it. If you give us these graces, if you give us these gifts, we will be faithful stewards of them for your honor and for your glory. And we're making that commitment individually right now in this moment, but we're also making that commitment together. Jesus, as a church, we want to be your body and we want to look like you. But in order for us as a body to look like you, we've all got to do what you're calling us to do. Help us to do that without pride, without arrogance, to do it without comparison or jealousy, to not look and be jealous of other people's gifts, but at the same time to desire more effective gifts. God, our prayer is that as we do that together, that you will be magnified, you will be glorified. The more people will come into the body, 
as we work together, joints, muscles, ligaments, bones, as we work together so that the world around us that lives in so much darkness and frustration and fear and captivity can see that in Christ there is hope and there is joy and there is power and there is freedom and above all, there's love. Deep, rooted, seated, powerful love for you. An active, effective love for each other. So I God, I ask that you do that in us. And as you do, you show us that what you have in store for us is light and life and freedom and joy and hope. And that in all things that we face in life, that we have your power with us, that there's nothing that we have to be afraid of, that we can walk in confidence with our head held high, walking in your strength and your power and your direction. And know that it's just a taste of what's coming. A taste of what's coming. Now we walk in part and see in part, and then we will serve and see in full. Continue to build that light in us. Help us to see what you're doing, to walk with you and in your power wherever it takes us. We love you, and we thank you for everything that you're going to do. 